Hello and welcome back to Pick Right Pulse. You listen to the outfield positional preview. Now we're going to bring you the infield positional preview. Kids, vets, IKF, what's happening? Let's get right into it. We have a lot of infielders, potentially, who are looking to make this roster. Um, do we want to start from the top? Let's start from the certainty, I think. Okay, um, yeah. And we'll, we'll go from there because there's a lot of spots in flux, which is why we were waiting to do this episode for so long. Uh, let's start with Anthony Rizzo. Uh, that might be even more locked in than Judge because Rizzo has a position. Yeah. Uh, over the offseason, he signed a two-year deal. He's going to be our first baseman pretty much day in, day out. Is not really going to play DH if he gets hurt. You know, maybe that's where DJ comes in. Uh, Rizzo had a really interesting year last year. Um, a lot of slug. He had a 480 slug. He had a 220 OPS. Really solid year. I mean, w- 132 WRC plus, which is really, really solid. Uh, it's 16.4 uh, offensive runs above average. Can pick it at first base. Walked a bunch. Um, and this year we have the banning of the shift. So a lot of Rizzo's hits to right field, especially in a short right field, might increase that batting average, maybe up to 250, up to 260, which is kind of 260 to 270 really would be in line with his previous years. Uh, how do you feel about about Rizzo at leading this infield? I mean, I love Riz, and I think that yeah, assuming his back is as healthy as he feels it is and the way that he's talked about it, like he's going to deal with some back nagginess. Like once you have it in your lifetime, you're never going to like kick it uh, that's just kind of the way that the back works. But it seems like those epidurals that he got last season did pay off. Um, as long as he can play, what what would we be happy with? 140 games? 135 yep. minimum? Um, I think if he can be out there for that, I, I'm happy. Um, I think his batting average will increase by 20 to 30 points at least. He's not a 223 hitter or whatever it was for his uh, season last year. Like he, he definitely sacrificed batting average for home run pop last season. Um, but it's not like he was striking out a shit ton. It was more, he was just hitting into some bad luck. Well, there was um, no room to pull the ball at Yankee stadium. <laughs> yeah. And he kept on trying too. He was like, well, damn it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess that's and he not... figured out how to straighten out those foul ball shots into actual homers like that go 350 at the stadium and get out. Yeah, and he still had quite a few of those uh, foul ball home runs. But, um, yeah, I think that he's going to have a big bounce back season, and that's funny to say because he did have an 800-plus OPS. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited about his season. I think we could see him kind of return to his career form, which is like a 265 career hitter, 847 OPS, 481 slugging. Like, I'll take that any day of the week. And especially when you pancake him between Judge and Stanton, like – it's a really good, consistent bat to have out there. And he's always going to pick it well at first base. I think that's huge, especially if we're going to talk about prospects, too, coming up. Um, yeah. Just have, having that, like, veteran presence, the guy who can just, like, really make plays at first base, especially for his teammates, it's huge. Uh, do you think that's the best version of the Yankees lineup? Judge 2, Rizzo 3, Stanton 4? I still want Judge in a position where he's able to drive in a lot of runs. And if you told me that Harrison Bader was nine, Fulpe one, and then judge two, then maybe 
Volpe, I'd be like completely being in. So or what about spot, Volpe nine? I still DK see him one. Judge in particular benefiting. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, so I would like to see one DJ two. It's tough. It's they've got a lot of guys that could be threes or fours, but not that many twos. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, I would you put Rizzo at two? Yeah, but I also like him running, uh, driving in people because he's not that fast too. You know, like I would like to like see a little bit more speed at the top of the order if I'm going that direction. Um, I don't know. I think we might see them play around with it a little bit, but I would also at the same time we haven't had any kind of lineup stability in a few years. Uh, where you just know consistently who's going out to what position, who's batting in what spot, whereas a lot of successful teams tend to have that certainty. Um, I would just like a little bit of a change of pace and have that stabilized lineup for once in our Yankees tenure at this point. So Do you I have know. any concerns with his rough spring? No. No, he's a veteran. As long as he's healthy, that's all I care about. He can be batting 096 right now, and he's going to turn it on. Has he looked healthy? He seemed healthy to me, just kind of yeah, slow. No, I think that he's just a little like off right now. I think his uh, bat's not quite where he wants it to be, but he might also be working on things. You know, like I, I really, when it comes to veterans playing um, that have been around for as long as he has and generally haven't had too many injuries, I don't look too much at like stats um, or outcome when it comes to spring training. And it's more so guys that are trying to prove that they can A, stay healthy, B or retuning or retooling and then see younger prospects. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. All right, where do we go from there? Our number two infielder. We got a whole flux of uh second baseman to deal with. So my my number two infielder doesn't have a position. <laughs> DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. And I don't know how we have this conversation about it. I mean, let, we can talk about DJ and what we might see from him this year. Uh, DJ was a really interesting case last year because DJ got hurt down the stretch and that really impacted at our top of our lineup. That's why Judge was hitting one a lot. He and Benintendi went down. Um, and when DJ's legs go out from under him, he just has a really, it's awful. He's a really bad swing. But once he has his power with him, he's a gap to gap hitter. He finds singles, but otherwise he's really noodly. Um, yeah, how do you how do you feel about DJ? Where does he fit in this lineup? Where do you think he plays? How often? Like, I don't even know. Um, there's so many different ways to answer that question because I think that he's proven that he is an elite third baseman when he's playing there. And the fact that Donaldson is still on this team makes it very difficult to see him envision a world where Donaldson's not playing a decent amount of third base as long as mm -hmm. he's not absolute garbage and he's not batting like a hundred, you know, I think as long as he did what he did last off season, uh, we're going to see DJ kind of be forced into a position where he's moving between third base and uh, second base quite a bit. And then also backing up Rizzo at first as uh, he'll find a decent amount of time there. But assuming that he's healthy and he's looked very healthy so far this spring, um, this is the best his swings have looked since early middle of the season last year. And that's where we really started to see him taper off when he did have that foot injury because he does hit so much on that back leg. Um, if he's not able to drive at all, like in, or keep that weight shifted properly, there's going to be a problem with him rolling over because he is a very handsy, uh, swinger. Like he's not, there's snappers and then there's pushers and he is more of a push guy naturally, which is fine because he's very strong. 
and um, you can get away with that to an extent. But once you have your legs taken out from under you, like you said, it kind of compromises any kind of power and ability to lift the ball. Um, so that's what we saw out of him last season. But I think that they're going to find a way to play him and get him in the lineup four to five times a week. They're also going to have to be weary. Like we need to DH this dude because he is 34, 35 years old, whatever it may be. Um, I just want to see a healthy version of DJ. And I think we will see plenty of him at second and third, but he should be getting some priority over Donaldson just based off of what he's done for the Yankees in his tenure. Yeah. You know, DJ has to find his way into this lineup somewhere and not that he has to do anything to do it. It's really that the Yankees have to find a way to put DJ in the lineup. Cause I think he's shown that he can do enough to get in. Um, Last year, his numbers were down, and I think that was emblematic of his injury. Uh, looking at his hard hit percentage, you don't think of DJ as a hard hit guy, um, but he's consistently getting 90 to 100 miles an hour off the bat. Uh, his hard hit percentage in his MVP 2019 and 2020 caliber seasons was around 47%, 46%. Uh, last year, it was down to just a tick above 40%, and in the second half, that was about 35%. Um, so it's it's a big drop off for him, and you know, like we said, he, he a lot comes from his legs, and you know, he said he's more of like a pushy hitter, and that works because he's very strong. But when you lose the bottom half foundation, the the upper body can only do so much in, in getting those balls to the outfield at a solid rate. Uh, Josh Donaldson was really good defensively last year, but I'm with you that DJ has proven to be elite defensively at third. It's part of why he got the utility Gold Glove. Uh, he was really, really solid at third. I know he doesn't have the flashy diving plays or the big arm from third base, but his range, partly on account of him being so tall and mainly on account of him being just so coordinated and consistent, but DJ is just as good, probably better than Gio even defensively at third. So yeah. I think that might be the position that I want him in. He deserves time at second and he should get time, especially, you know, he still has a f- four years left, including this year on his contract because he signed after 2020. So like we got to try and preserve his legs. I know third base isn't a lot of movement, but it's still a good amount of agility and pressure. Um, But part of that is because of who is also at second base and some other options coming up through the system. So I don't know. I mean, DJ ideally is your, is your lead off hitter, or he's even a nice option as a five hitter um, to turn that lineup over. Like he drives in a lot of runs. He's a very good situational hitter. Um, like he hit less than 20 homers or about 20 homers and drove in a hundred runs in that 2019 year, if I'm not mistaken, 26, homers. About 26 homers, 102 RBI, which you don't yeah. see nowadays. Like that's, that's a Tony Gwynn number. That remind you know? me of Derek Jeter's, uh, 24 homers, 102 RBI season when he won MVP yep. and he was third yep. in MVP. So like there were a lot of parallels there. Yeah. So, I mean, DJ's going to make it in. Even last year he had a three war. Um, but who is it at the expense of, because, you know, I I think we could pivot to two positions, probably starting with third base. Like you were talking about Josh Donaldson at third and Glaber Torres at second. So Mm -hmm. how is, how is that rotation happening? And then we have another, Mm -hmm. another three players behind them. So I I don't know, Jake, where do you, where do we even go from here? I guess we bring up the dude who's like currently on the team that probably has the best trade value and is the most consistently healthy player, if you want to put it that way. And that's Glaber Torres. Um, 
I'll give Glaber credit. He's rarely like injured or hurt or anything. Uh, he stays on the field. That's the biggest thing that you can give him as like a, a plus at this point. Um, we saw what once looked like a promising budding superstar turn into a, a disappointing player for a little bit in 2020, 2021. I really don't think that those numbers indicate the type of player that he is throughout his career. I think he's going to be a really good second baseman, but he is at the end of the day, a second baseman. He's not a utility player. He can't play shortstop. He's going to be pigeon toed to that position in particular, um, but he will be a top eight, top 10 second baseman, no doubt for the next 10 years. Um, I think we could see him just being a very productive player for a long time. That being said, when things go down with Glaber, they go down hard. Uh, we've, touched on this several times throughout the last what six months at this point um he just seems to get in his own head and like he was having a fantastic start to the year last year uh looked like almost 2019 self if we're looking at his previous performance and then he just has this terrible terrible drought from what was it late july to like august um even like a little bit of early september june june was bad july march and april were okay he had a terrible first three weeks great end of april into may bad june really good july terrible august great september yeah so that's just so tumultuous and up and down that it it gets exhausting trying to keep up and his numbers did end up uh bottoming out at what 761 ops um it's a solid season, but if you look at the lows, they're so low. And that low impacted the way the entire team performed. Like that was a time when they could have used one player to step up beyond just Aaron Judge, because Aaron Judge was carrying this team this that entire string. And it almost felt like Glaber was feeding into the the pain that uh the Yankees were going through in terms of trying to win games. Um, he looked uncomfortable in the field. He gets down on himself at the plate. Um, I think they're at the point where they have never, they ha- they're yet to have any kind of extension talks with him. And he knows that there are two prospects that are arguably like better players than him potentially like waiting in the wings. And they're not even waiting in the wings anymore. They're ready to go. Um, I, I just don't see a long-term spot for him. I think that they need to trade him now if they're going to do it. I mean, they could do it midseason, but it's like you have to bring up Volpe and you have to have Peraza on the team at the same time. It it, it would suck to send down Peraza at the expense of bringing Volpe up, you know, or like vice versa. Um, both of those guys at this rate have earned spots, and we'll get to them later because we can discuss them in depth. Um, but that's the conundrum with Glaber is he's a really good player, but he also – is the one that seems most likely to not be on this team ultimately. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, Glaber is valuable in the scale that he can give just in the number of games that he can play and, and be solid. Uh, But the problem is that we want the players who play our games to be really good. And Glaber plays a lot of games, but he gives so many bad games that I'd almost prefer a prospect come up or I prefer that he were hurt in the time that he's that that bad. And that's really unfair to Glaber because he has all-star level potential as a second baseman, granted. But, like, he he was really good. I mean, he was in a rookie of the year race really close with Miguel Andujar and Shohei Otani, who 
They both have had pretty solid years. Like he, there was a decent chance of Glaber getting that rookie of the year, and he was kind of penalized by coming up three, four weeks into the season. Um, his 2019 year was great. I mean, and in, in the playoffs, even he was pretty solid. Uh, down the stretch in September, he was really good. It was really Glaber and Judge who were our two best hitters in September. Um, that was it was really huge. But yeah, no, like you said, I mean, he gives the most value in terms of another team. Um, but he's just clogging up a place where I think we have, in my opinion, two better players, that being DJ and Volpe, and potentially a third with Peraza. Yeah. Um, and then we have IKF needing to be on the roster in some variety, or not, or IKF has to go, or yeah. Donaldson, who's clogging up third base. Um, so do we put Donaldson on the bench at $26 million and an MVP at 37 years old? Like, um, I think labor is the most that you can get back from him. Uh, labor is not going to like any sort of competition, any threat to his second base time. He's not going to play short. You have three shortstops and another second baseman, all of whom on a backup day are going to be wanting to play second base. So yeah, I think labor is the option to go, but it's unfortunate because if Donaldson weren't on this team, I would fight to keep labor. Yeah, no, I mean, that's all it is. It's just like, there's one too many infielders it, it all comes down to that and then also the shitty thing for him which is great for us is that oswaldo cabrera has emerged as such a versatile tool that you kind of like if you compare the personalities and just like the way that they act on the field and like some of the tools like you wish that glaber had a little bit more versatility because then maybe it makes the argument a little bit more difficult like which one would we prefer to trade but like i we've talked about this earlier in the uh, outfielders episode Cabrera has like cemented himself as part of this team. And I just don't see that same love for Glaber that the Yankees would, were shedding out to Cabrera just a few days ago. Um, I Yeah. He's just not a franchise player for me, unfortunately. Yeah. And it sucks because you look at Glaber and I think, all right, what does Glaber do? And what do we have? Glaber can play second base and be a backup shortstop. Yeah. Uh, DJ can play second. IKF can play second. Volpe can play second, Peraza can play second, Oswaldo Cabrera. That's five players who can play second base. Yeah. Okay, who can back up shortstop? The same players, except for DJ. IKF, Oswaldo, uh, Oswald, Volpe. Okay, who can give you 140 games played? Probably Wait. Volpe? Yeah. DJ? Cabrera? Like, who can give you a two, 140 games played with a 257 average? And a a four hundred slugging, that's probably Cabrera DJ like that permu that combination of them. So yeah. take IKF off that list. There you go. That that crosses him out. Mm-hmm. Four hundred slugging, but um, you know, Glaber just doesn't give you something different. And I think he's the most expendable. I think honestly, the Yankees are in a fortunate position that Glaber is the player that can be dealt with because he's coming in arbitration. Someone who has all star level potential. They can get a decent amount out of him, even though they're trading from the surplus. Um, and another team can take a steal of a player, someone who I really love to time on the Yankees. Um, I'm hoping this is, I mean, part of me is kind of hoping this is a eulogy for Glaber and that he is traded by opening day. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd hate to see him go, but I'd love to see him go at the same time. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. And Fangraphs has him in as the leadoff hitter right now. That's not happening. I don't think Fangraphs has watched the Yankees game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one 
also like he another element to this is like he only stole 10 bags last season and they were stealing a lot as a team um if and he's Speed reckless not, on the bases too yeah he's reckless on the bases and he's not even fast so that's like another thing to not be excited about um reckless without speed is not a fun combination whatsoever um i guess that leads though into donaldson if we're talking about a lack of speed um and that also is the last guy that's like an established veteran that we need to talk about but uh what are your thoughts on jd going into the season uh bad um (laughs) i know a lot of people expect him to come up uh but i don't know based off of eye test and stats i mean like you don't have a blip on the radar for 132 games the way that Donaldson did last year. I know it's a new team and and, and whatnot. Uh, Donaldson, his walk rate went down 4.5% from his previous year, which was his career low before his MVP season in 2015. Um, he was at 9.9% walk rate last year, the year before 136 In his power years, it was anywhere from 156 to 17.6. Um, his isolated power down to 153 his glove was really good his wrc plus was below average his ops was below average he has a 1.6 war um and he gets paid 26 million dollars which is the only reason why i want glaber to go because he's a worse player than glaber i say glaber is almost doubly as valuable as him he's he's really annoyed me i like i feel bad i'm i'm like i have a really annoyed tone at him right now like he was my kid who you know did something that really pissed me off that i'm like embarrassed about yeah. But um, he creates so many problems, and I know it's not his fault that he gets paid that much money and that he has the resume that he does and that he plays hard. He just doesn't have it anymore. Like, he's he's not he's not getting the barrel percentage like he used to. His hard hit percent was down by over 10% last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the years where he was good, 2015, 16, 18, 19, no, not 18, 2015, 16, 20 and 21 really and 19 they were all at like 49 percent plus last year was 42 percent on his hard hit percentage expected batting average was lower than his batting average which was 220 his expected batting average was 210 so like um i know he's good defensively but we have dj and we have cabrera who was the triple a third baseman and we have yep. anthony volpe who can play there <laughs> and we have oswaldo peraza and we have a gold glove third baseman in ikf like i it makes me so angry. This is this is my most emotional part of this podcast because opening day is next week and Josh Donaldson's our third baseman, and it really annoys me. That's how I feel. That's the that's your question. That's how I feel. I'm glad you were able to let that all out. Um, you did it for the both of us too. Him being on this team reminds me a lot of what could have played out if Troy Tulowitzki stayed healthy in 2018. I don't know if you remembered how he like he was slated to be the starting shortstop. And then he got like bone spurs in his foot or something like that. And he decided to call it a career right then and there. And it does sound like Josh Donaldson said if he felt like he was getting injured again and it was like to the point of no return, he was going to hang it up. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if that's like his narrative or like if he genuinely would have said, I'm done playing baseball. Um, But like we're seeing the nightmare edition where <laughs> the Yankees brought in DJ LeMahieu that same season and it's likely that if Tulo did stay healthy and was like serviceable with his glove, but not serviceable with his bat, we wouldn't have seen nearly as much DJ LeMahieu. Um, and we're seeing that exactly unfold, except this time with 
young prospects that are ready to go. Um, and it, it's very baffling to, I don't like looking back at that trade. I can see some of the reasoning why they made it in the first place, but at the same time, you've had how many months now to figure out the roster construction and not have this infield battle go on for so long because it does feel like an unnecessary one. Like I feel like everyone at this point knows who the best talent and talent is and who's ready to provide the most for this team. Um, I will say that Donaldson is making some changes to the swing. He's standing a little bit more upright. That does look more natural for him. I don't know why he went into a crouched position in the first place. That was stupid. He never did that in his career beforehand. Um, in his best seasons, he was he always was upright up and really powerful in 14 and 15. Like that was his power seasons, yeah. like really upright. And he's not a very tall guy even. No. Well, even in 2019, he was doing the same thing. So like, I don't understand what convinced him or like what compelled him to make that kind of change, but it was a, a massive one. And he just looked overmatched a lot of the time. And it looked like he was guessing the second the ball came out of the pitcher's hand. Um, he had no clue where it was going and he was looking to take a walk more than anything. And it's like, you're not getting paid 26 million a year to take a walk. Um, and he wasn't even walking that much. So it's like, it's a moot point. Um, that being said, if we're going to be stuck with him on the roster, I hope he raises his value enough to get traded at some point. Or let's say he does come back into form and like 2021, I want to bring up, he was good that year um he had like an 820 OPS and if he can somehow return to that that's the best case scenario with him staying on this roster just because I do feel like we're going to be stuck with him for a little bit but I mean we're going to get into this almost immediately the young kids are going to force the Yankees hand to make a move in the infield at least one move I think that two to three moves are coming um we could see a snowball effect happen within the next five days before opening day six days um, just because they have not cleared any kind of payroll whatsoever. So like one of these veterans is going to go somewhere and IKF can be one of them. I don't know if you even really want to talk about him that much because he hasn't played any kind of infield except for a little bit of third base and second base here and there um, this spring training so far, but it, it just, I don't see Donaldson having a position on this team in September. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, part of I got into the positive space after my rambling, uh, <laughs> my ranting rather. I I think I predict that Donaldson will be bad this year, and if he's not great, yeah, stay on the team. If he can do what he did in 2021, like or 20, yeah, 2021. Yeah, I don't fault the Yankees for that trade. Really, like it's tough, but Gary Sanchez right now doesn't have a major league team, and Kyle Higashioka does, and he's our backup catcher still. Right. And Gio Rochella yeah. is like is the third baseman for the Angels. Um, but Donaldson had a better defensive year than Gio and a comparable offensive year last year. Like Gio had a down year for him too. So if yeah. if you look at what the Yankees got, I mean, we got a we got a stopgap shortstop. Like someone had to play short last year, right? Mm. Like it could have been Peraza earlier, but we got a shortstop for six months and a near gold glove level third baseman who underperformed. Yeah. So I don't blame them for that trade. But it, it just held up stuff. Um, I mean, I, I think where it's going to go is he's going to play poorly for two months and the Yankees and him are going to handshake. Okay, like, you are not you can't play anymore. You, where like, someone else, DJ is going to play third. 
we're gonna have kids play a combination of short and second um and like do you want a dfa like do you want to be released and go to another team where he, he'll play he'll he'll play for 20 of the teams in major league baseball yeah um yeah because he, he's good enough and he's a veteran presence so the yankees probably pocket that big contract half of the year it ends up only being 12 to 15 million they give him to not play so that's kind of where i, I see it going and maybe yeah. that means prospects are in the farm longer than we want them to but yeah you that brings us into the three shortstops. I mean, IKF is the first one. He hasn't really been there. He's not a shortstop do we, anymore. Do you think he's out? He's done. Not like, a shortstop. Do you think he's out? The last shortstop game he played was March 9th or 10th. So if they somehow make him shortstop, there's going to be a true revolt within the uh, Yankees fandom. There's no way that they can actually play him at shortstop anymore. He hasn't been getting reps there. Um They've kind of made it very clear that they it's come down to a two-man race, and that's between Oswald Peraza and Volpe. And I don't think they were expecting it to be as close as it is right now, but Volpe has fully forced the hand of the Yankees to make some very difficult decisions. And I think that that's why like they probably didn't want to trade anyone for the longest time. They wanted to kind of stay in pat, but that can't happen anymore because Volpe is not on the 40-man roster. Yeah, I think they were kind of holding off on a trade, hoping that Volpe, okay, will show, okay, he's ready, but he needs time. And then Volpe has been like, what, the second or third best Yankee in spring training? He's like a top five um, like player in the league right now. Like I, I have friends that are not Yankees fans that are hitting me up saying like this kid, like I need him on fantasy. I just got him on my fantasy team and I'm so like happy about it um, just because – his stock is raising so much. He deserves the national attention that he's getting. Um, the way he carries himself on the field, he looks like he belongs um, with the team. He runs the infield like a leader. Uh, he hits the hell out of the baseball. I His takes are aggressive takes. He's not looking to walk. He's looking to do damage every time he's up there. Um, so we could see potentially if he does come up, a slightly lower on base percentage, but that being said, his he's also really good at seeing pitches and he's good at taking his walks. Um, I think that if he were to have a lower OBP, it's because he's being very aggressive early in the zone. Um, that aspect of him reminds me a lot of DJ LeMay. He was first season with the Yankees. He was swinging a lot first pitch strike. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of parallels there, but I think he's just an overall more dynamic player because of the the speed that he gives you. He's he's able to steal 50 bags a year. Um especially if he is playing a full season with the bigger bags and also the limited throwovers to uh, first base. I think he knows how to capitalize on that better than anyone. Um has gap to bat gap to gap power, knows how to communicate with his infield like full package. Um I think he's done everything he needs to do to earn this spot. Yeah, and IKF not playing leads me to believe that Volpe has taken it. I mean, Peraza is really good. Peraza, to me, hasn't earned it the level that Volpe has. Um, I don't know how much higher they regarded Peraza over Volpe coming into spring, considering that Peraza was barely the starting shortstop last year. Like It took basically catastrophic play from IKF in big moments to actually play Peraza in the playoffs. So I, I can't imagine that Peraza had that much of an advantage over Volpe and any advantage that he had. I can't imagine that Volpe hasn't blown that out of the water. I mean, yeah. fan graphs, we established they haven't watched the Yankees game yet. 
they have Oswaldo Peraza as the shortstop, and they have uh, Volpe in the minor leagues. They also have Volpe's Fangraphs projection as 92 games played, 400 plate appearances, 230 batting average, 400 slugging, um, 103 WRC plus, but a two war. They have Peraza only 53 games played. I guess they have yeah. IKF at, at at a lot of short. Maybe that's Volpe coming up and taking the job. Or maybe that's 50 games of Peraza and 100 games of Volpe. Um, I don't know. Peraza looks decent. Peraza is definitely a good MLB player, but Anthony Volpe, man, like you said, gap-to-gap power, uh, his approaches. Pablo Lopez, I saw an interview with Lopez today. Pablo Lopez struck out Anthony Volpe, and Lopez went to a reporter and made the point of saying that, I got him with my pitches in the first at-bat, he came back with a plan against those pitches yeah. um, and, and and looked and evaluated how to get the weaknesses out of the pitches. And then, then he took Pablo Lopez yard. Mind you, Pablo Lopez is a number two, number one level starter in MLB. Yeah. Um, so it, it's no joke. I mean, he's been up here for a long time. He's so dynamic. Uh, I've, I've been pessimistic the whole spring. I think Volpe starts on opening day yeah no we're in agreement there i i i've watched so much spring training at this point probably more than anyone else and it's i will say the games are going so fast now because of the uh, pitch clock and all that like it's a lot less grueling in spring training when you're finishing up in two hours and 30 minutes um with that said though he continues to not only perform every time he's out there, but he's getting pushed out there constantly. And you can't say that they're not giving him his opportunities to do the damage he needs to find a way on the roster. Cause he's doing exactly that. Um, I know that Peraza was initially kind of seen as the better fielder. And there were concerns about Volpe's arm. Volpe has went to, I think he went to driveline or one of the uh, arm academies and trained with pitchers and he went on a pitching uh, plan, essentially like the same type of arm care plan that a pitcher would go on in the off season. He did that as a position player and it shows on the field. He's throwing really solid bullets across the field. Like he's not, I think Peraza has an elite arm, so he might not ever get to that point, but he is beyond serviceable at this point. And with his range, he's going to make some very difficult plays look easy. Um, and he makes the easy plays look easy as well and i think that's the important part i haven't seen him boot one yet it's inevitable that he will boot one at some point if he is called up when he is called up if he does start uh so we have to be a little patient with that but like this kid has done everything and more to really just plaster himself as that front runner and the thing with peraza is like he had a really good start debut with the yankees last season and then this spring, it's like, okay, like now carry that momentum over and like the shortstop position is yours, essentially, is how it felt. It's going to be between you and IKF and like everyone wants you to get it. And he has struggled mightily to hit the ball. And typically, like I said, I wouldn't put way too much stock in some of the uh, the numbers that you see come out of spring training camp. But when you're a, a, a prospect and you have got another prospect that's arguably like better than you, or just as good, if not better than you. And fighting head for the to same. head, excelling. Excelling with flying colors. And all you hear every time you turn on a Yankees spring training game is how 
Volpe is just passing with flying colors from every single person they talk to, um, whether it be Curry or Meredith or whoever it may be, everyone gives him these glowing reviews. And you, like I like Peraza a lot, but you don't hear that for him. And I think that just says a lot about the media play that the um, Yankees are spinning on it. And I think that does mean something. And a lot of people are going to have a very jaded view where they're going to say the Yankees aren't going to call them up to start the season. They're going to do the same old classic thing where they, you know, hold, hold care about service time more than anything. It's like this dude is making it impossible to have that mindset right now. I think that every person in the Yankees front office has to acknowledge that. Um, and I think they're very well aware and they're playing into the hype that the fans are giving them. So I I really hope to see them up and I would like to see both of them up, but if it comes down to having to trade Peraza and that means you in turn clear space for Volpe and then also get a really good starting pitcher, like a top end reliever. Um, I'm taking that deal hundred percent of the time. That could be a way to get uh, Brian Reynolds and like a Bednar or something, or like a Brian Reynolds and a Mitch Keller, but that's just me rambling at this point. Yeah. I mean, head to head. Volpe um, and baseball reference has this opponent quality uh, stat. Volpe is the highest of anyone not on the 40 man, a 6.8 opponent quality, higher being better, 10 being major league. Uh, Oswaldo Pereira, Oswaldo, sorry, Oswaldo Peraza, an average of 7.0. Volpe has 52 plate appearances, 279 batting average, 939 OPS. Peraza has a 171 batting average, 607 OPS. Um, yeah. that, that's a drastic difference. Um, Peraza is pro ready, but I think Volpe has it. Um, and Peraza has really good arm, like you said. Maybe they both play. Maybe Peraza is the shortstop. IKF I think is done from shortstop. But that brings us into our into our roster. All right, so we have 13 spots. Uh, assuming they're taking 13 pitchers. They might even take 14 pitchers. I don't see them doing that given the current flux of the position players. Sometimes in April, they'll do that just for more arms. Um, Two must go. Actually, you know what? We're lucky because Bader's hurt. So one must go. Um, And then we're going to have to pick one that goes when Bader gets back. So right now, our outfielders, Aaron Judge, Harrison Bader, Aaron Hicks, Oswaldo Cabrera, Willie Calhoun. Our DH is Giancarlo Stanton. Our utility man at IKF. Our catchers are Trevino and Higgy. Our infielders are Rizzo, DJ, Glaber, Donaldson, Volpe, and Peraza. I guess we can go by who starts. I don't know where you want to start, but we need one of those guys to go. Should we try and fill in positionally? We can do that. I mean, I have my personal opinion on who's going to be the first to be booted off the roster, and that's IKF. Um, I'm just going to say that out loud. Um, but yeah, let's go positionally. Right field. Judge. Er, <laughs> Cabrera. I'll put All it. Right, let's let's include Bader and we'll we'll get rid of two. Okay. Let's include Bader for now. Because I think Calhoun is DFA'd when Bader comes back. Yeah, okay. Let, let's you do agree on that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Judge and right, Bader and center. Mm-hmm. And then Oswaldo and left. I guess Waldo. I don't love it still. Like I said, that's the one that I'm least excited for him uh, in terms of positions in the outfield, but yes. Yep. So that put Hicks is our backup outfielder. John Carlos, our DH. Yeah. All right. Then 
And the infield, we have Rizzo at first. Mm-hmm. Glaber at, at well, uh, Volpe at short. I'm going Volpe at short, Peraza at second. That's where I like. I want to go. I want Ooh. both kids in the infield. I I don't know. We didn't even talk about this, but I sent you the picture earlier. I was on the prospect rankings for uh, the MLB earlier today, and I was just checking in on Peraza and all that and Volpe. Volpe's listed as a shortstop. Peraza was more recently ris- uh, listed as a second baseman slash shortstop, which is new. That was not something that you would come across earlier this uh this and winter. It's, it's only four games started at second, but yeah. It's, it's really weird that they would put him as a, you know, second base. Like they're labeling him like that right now. Um, and I don't think Volpe was ever labeled as second baseman slash shortstop, even though he's seen more time at second base than Peraza has. You know what I mean? Um, so there's something yeah. a little suspicious to me about that. It could be nothing. It could be a clerical error. But I'm going to take that as the Yankees really pushing Volpe. If he's coming up, he's going to be man like the, the center of that infield. Um, so I'm going with Volpe at short. Realistically, I think they'll probably keep uh, Glaber just for the season. I A lot of people think he should be moved, including Ken Rosenthal. So you can either go um Glaber at second or you can go Peraza at second. I think either whichever one doesn't get that spot is getting traded. And then DJ LeMayhu at third base is like where I would go um to cap off the starting infield. So that means our bench is Aaron Hicks, Willie Calhoun to start until Vader gets back, Hickey, and Donaldson. Yeah. And I think we could see potentially IKF gone. Yeah. And I think we could see potentially Donaldson getting DFA or whatever um, at some point. So I think it's going to be Judge Bader, Oswaldo, Hicks on the bench, Calhoun on the bench until until Bader gets back. So he goes, I think Ortega and Florial are gone. I think IKF stays. Um, and I think it's Rizzo at first, Glaber at second, Volpe at short, yeah, DJ at third, and I guess they rotate around. However, Donaldson yeah. won't be the, the bench piece right now. Fangraphs is DJ on the bench, which is dumb. Yeah. Um, I think if they can't trade Glaber, mm-hmm. Peraza is sent down. Which would like it sucks because like at the same time, even though he hasn't earned a starting like he hasn't earned the role over Volpe necessarily, but he hasn't. I don't think he deserves to be fucking sent back down just because he did perform really well for the Yankees last season. Um, He was a 305 batting average guy, 800 plus OPS. It's it's really tough to send him down for me. And I think that does kind of kill any kind of momentum he had towards being a major league player. If you're sending him down, you might as well trade him. You think there's a shot of Willie Calhoun just not making the team and IKF is your backup outfielder? Like it's Hicks on the bench, Hicks and Oswaldo rotate. IKF is that bench piece. I think if they can't find a trade partner for IKF, I could see that happening. That means the clock would be extended till when Bader gets back. Yeah, which would suck. So <laughs> Calhoun. So then it would be, yeah. And that would make also the offense worse because Calhoun's whole point of being there is that he's a lefty with pop. So you're not getting that out of IKF. It's not like an equal trade-off. You know what I mean? 
or any bench piece. Yeah, you're yeah. not getting that out of Hicks. You're not getting like no Cal Cal. That's Calhoun's value off the bench. Oh, he can hit you multi-digit home runs and you know 350 plate appearances or 450, whatever it may be, 400. Um, you don't have that right now from any of the other guys. So I I would hate to see Peraza get sent down just because it would create this whole new snowball effect of different things that would occur with the roster that just makes things more complicated. Yep. Well, that's what to look out for. That's our outfield and our infield overview. There is a lot in flux. There's things that we'd like to see. There's things that the Yankees might do, the things that the Yankees might not do. Um, They have six days to decide. The roster is due, I think, Thursday morning, right? Like, we can yeah. be as late as 9, 10 a.m. They're getting on, down to uh, it. On opening day. So, yeah, maybe maybe follow us on Instagram at Pinstripe Pulse Pod, uh, Instagram and TikTok. Jake and I might be giving you some live reactions on the way to opening day um, to see uh, on some of the roster crunches. Um, I'm confident that Volpe is going to get a 40-man spot without necessarily a DFA. Maybe that's Albert Abreu if he has, if he's on the forty, or yeah. at, at least just Montas shifting to, um, Montas shifting to the sixty day IL, which everyone anticipates opens up that forty man spot. Otherwise, pretty much everyone we're talking about is on the forty, except for Willie Calhoun. So that might be, that might be the difference that keeps IKF on the team. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right, well, thank you guys. Um, if you didn't hear already, listen to our bullpen positional preview, our starting pitchers positional preview. Uh, we gave a nice overview of the starting pitching and our catching as well. Um, and we'll see how this goes. We procrastinated for a reason because there's a lot that we know and a lot that we definitely don't know and a lot that will change in the first few weeks of the season. Um, but until then, follow us at pinstripe underscore pulse on Twitter. Jake will be active and I will be active throughout the season in the comments on, on the tweets of different Yankees tweets. Um, and definitely pinstripe pulse pod on Instagram and on TikTok. I'll be going to a lot of games this year, chronicling some of my time at the games, and we can talk to you guys there. Uh, please like, subscribe, share uh, the whole thing. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Let the kids play. Let the kids play.